1: Welcome back to the show. Today we have Rene Amador. He's the chief executive officer and co-founder at AR Wall. Rene, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing is probably if not one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Period. So, Wow. Yeah, <laughs> like I was blown away when I was checking out the videos and and some of the stuff that you guys are doing, but maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was born and raised in uh, in Silicon Valley, uh, actually okay. in Santa Clara, California. Cool. So um, yeah, I was uh, actually, I was born, at, if people know the Kaiser over there, um, by that used to be by Central Park. In Santa Clara and then I grew up literally a block away from there. So I, did, I spent the first 18 years of my life um, right in the center of Santa Clara down the street from HP and yes. Apple and all these awesome companies. That's a and, uh, my dad too. worked in, Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome and my dad did work in the, uh, in the tech industry there as well.
1: Okay, very cool. So you went to university, what did you take and why?
2: Yeah, so um, I went to a local um, UC, which is uh, U- the University of California, Santa Cruz, okay. um, which is about half an hour south of Santa Clara. And I went there because they actually did have an awesome uh, film program. Um, okay. My background is as a filmmaker, actually. So I took, uh, I think it was film and digital media, and I got the production concentration and and I think I got department honors. So I did wow. pretty good Congrats, there. Um, and... Thank you. Uh, Film and digital media was interesting. It was not, um, this was kind of, let's see, I was there from 2002 to 2006. And this was right at that stage where kind of everybody knew that web was going to be something, um, but they didn't quite know what, Um, you know, YouTube hadn't really been invented yet. um, So people were kind of like, hey, I can put a video on a website. So Putting a video on the website, uh, they decided to call that film and digital media. So I learned that entire process.
1: Very cool, man. Very cool. So you get out of school, walk me through your career with some highlights along the way up until co founding AR Wall, and then we'll dive into AR Wall.
2: Gosh. Okay. Well, I actually have to go back in time because my career okay. started in high school. Nice. Um, um, I, so I think. I probably created um, like a few like nonsense, you know, little videos for classes and stuff like that through mm-hmm. high school, but I, um, at the end of high school, my senior year, uh, with a few of my uh, friends of mine, uh, one of which actually um, works with me here at ARWall, her name's Jocelyn, um, who was the assistant director on this first one.
0: Okay. Um,
2: this this video actually went viral. Uh, and what I mean went viral, I got 3 million views. Wow. Uh, way, way back in 2002, this is pre-YouTube. Um, everything it was called uh, Real Ultimate Power, the official Ninja movie. So, if uh, if I have any uh, Real Ultimate uh, Power fans out there, you, you this didn't... is this is what happened to those folks that made that video. Um, That's amazing! Uh, yeah, doing... I remember uh, that video. <laughs> You're kidding me! You're kidding me!
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, but keep going. Sorry to interrupt you.
2: Yeah. Um, so we. So um, honestly, when uh, when I was making that video. Um, I mentioned my dad worked in the defense industry, and I was seriously uh, talking about going into the Foreign Service, um, uh, becoming an envoy in the State Department or in the CIA, uh, or something like that. So I was going to go into the defense industry at that time, and I was actually talking to the recruiters. Um, But when this video went viral, um, I was like, okay, this this is unbelievable. We were getting bombarded by fan mail and everything like that. I was like, this is this is something new. This is something I've never seen anybody do this before. Wow. Never heard of anybody do this before. I gotta I gotta pursue this.
0: Okay. So sure.
2: I, I went full full tilt into entertainment and filmmaking. And um so that's uh that's when I, you know, committed to um the film industry um and uh went to film school and everything like that. So during, while we were, while I was in film school, I continued to try and do that again and again. Like I would make a short film and then I would put it online and see if I could make it go viral or whatever. And obviously you have, you have a very level of success sure. if you're trying to re- recreate that type of stuff, especially way back, like in 2003, It was kind of like I was doing this. Um, but because of that, you know, I, I, I made a lot of stuff. Um, I made an unusual amount of stuff. I think, um, Probably in college alone, I made something like 35 short films, um, wow. it was just like an un, un, okay. ungodly number. Sure. Um, and that's basically what I did all, all the time. And, um, and that, that meant that coming out of college, I had a very good, like, you know, I didn't have 35 um, like amazing gems of, of cinema, but I definitely had a few, like okay. two or three that were like, hey, this is, this is pretty dang good. This is something special. Um, so that's basically what I had at the end of college. Um, and when I graduated, uh, for those that remember 2006, this is right in the heat of World of Warcraft. Oh yes. I was a a
1: gamer. uh, Yes, I remember.
2: (laughs) So, um. I'm sure many, many careers uh, of, of young people around my age just totally crater because of World of Warcraft. Um, and I definitely, I absolutely admit that after graduating college for about three months, uh, me and basically everybody I knew was playing World of Warcraft and wasn't doing anything in the physical world. Um, and I think um, after doing that for a few months, I kind of, you know, for 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 people that have played that type of game, at some point you you just go like, Gah, you had kind of like this like disgusted response to the game and that happened to me and the re- and I kind of took stock of my life and thought, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a job in LA. That that for some reason that was that was the thing that I, I knew that I had to do, so I'm gonna get a job in LA. So I actually started applying to jobs that I thought I might be qualified for in LA. This is while living in Santa Clara, in my right. parents' house, uh, in my dad's house. Um, and uh, yeah, so I lined up, I, I actually got three responses and lined up three interviews on the same uh, week. Uh, so I went, went, uh, flew down there to LA, uh, took these interviews. I ended up getting offered two of them. Wow. Um, I know, right? And and accepted one. And the one that I accepted was as a, um, junior post coordinator doing trailers for, for a little boutique company. I think they might even exist. still, called wiser post that was okay. located in Hollywood Very at cool. the time. Um, so I found out later, um, there were actually 750 applicants to this role. Wow. and I was, I was, I was the top pick. So some, somebody um uh, this this begins a long history of those types of um coincidences i don't know if you call them victories or coincidences or just pure dumb luck um but <laughs> maybe all of those I- <laughs> 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 it's some it's some it's some uh it's some devilish combination of all of them probably sure. and um and i think um, one thing that I definitely did have is I had that those amazing short films I had made in college. Sure. And I had this belief that if I just made this stuff, um, that something would happen. And 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 I think and I think it's kind of like that, almost like you're you're too dumb to know what you don't know. Like I thought like oh I'm just gonna make stuff, and then someday I'll 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 be Spielberg that's just how it works. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, and is, I think at least it, 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 it at least got me my foot in the door. Um, sure. And I think that um, for people that are maybe wondering, like, how the heck do you do this type of thing, become a filmmaker, become uh, get into the entertainment industry, um, there is a good amount of luck, but there's also that like being kind of ready for that opportunity and believing that the opportunity is, is going to come. And that was huge, I think, early on in my career. It's kind of like, I wouldn't say faith, but kind of like just, just a kind of like belief that if you do good stuff, good things will happen. And I know that sounds, that
1: sounds, probably sounds naive, in
2: being in the entertainment industry, um, but it's worked out. It's worked out for me.
1: Sure. But I also think, too, is when opportunity presented itself to you, you took that opportunity. And maybe it was scary at the time. And you figured it out, but a lot of people are given opportunities and never actually take those opportunities because of a handful of reasons. Is that fair to say in your case?
2: Absolutely. I think I think that's exactly it. And being, I think, is well, it was. It, I think that's why I was talking about World of Warcraft a little bit, is because it wasn't just. It wasn't just like I had this thing that I was going towards. But I also had this like very comfortable but somewhat um you know i it, 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 I knew that it wasn't gonna get further in my career I had this like comfortable thing that I could do, and okay. kind of being disgusted and you know repelled by that um i think also helped me uh kind of make that jump over to l a so when so i so um I took this job, i come over, I moved to l a um uh, so I don't have an apartment, I'm like literally living like in the you know the Hollywood Motel or something like <laughs> on Sunday just for really like the most <laughs> like awesome. stupid stereotypical like oh I'm ge- I'm in Hollywood like kind <laughs> of like thing that I did um, and that's basically how I got down here Amazing. and um, did this first job was um awesome i had this amazing boss his name was cisco uh cisco if you're listening you're amazing uh thank you so much and uh he he taught me a lot of what i what i kind of like a lot of post-production is what it comes down to a lot of a lot about post-production and how hollywood um completes these pro these projects and the unbelievable amount of attention and time that goes into these projects, which I think people would be shocked to learn, particularly for trailers, which you kind of think it's an ad, but um, people really, uh, you know, people are spending six months, sometimes often in teams of like five to 10 people making these absolutely perfect. Um, so that when you go, you know, and see these, that you you just have to see the film. And um, I think kind of learning about how, how that process happens almost like from, from the back end, like learning how filmmaking works from, from the end and then kind of going, um, backwards and sure. figuring out like, okay, how does, how does this project actually, um, enter the marketplace is, is something that I was asked to think about from a very early on in my career. Um, And uh, so one of the one of the um, I worked on a bunch of projects that came out in two thousand seven two thousand eight. One of the big ones was Transformers, the first Transformers, and I was I was actually given um, uh, responsibility over the visual effects, uh, managing the visual effects supervision and uh, coordination for this for these trailers and TV spots and stuff like that.
0: Okay, Um, and
2: that was my first. This this is going to be relevant later on in my life, but this was my first experience learning um what a mess uh these visual effects blockbusters can be um and being in situations where it's the 17th version of a visual effect shot and wow and you and you have absolute, and you're like you have these 16 old versions that you need to 100 percent not use um, but they're like floating around here and there and everywhere um and and trying to figure out like how do you organize this and how do you um, how do you tell the difference between version sixteen and seventeen just with your eyes uh, without having any label on it or anything like that so um Uh, that level of visual acuity um, kind of having to be trained on that and and learn that um, I think helped me a lot as I moved because it continued on into my career and ultimately it also showed me that there was a tremendous amount of pain in the uh, in the filmmaking process that there's wasted time there's a sense of disconnection and to some extent disrespect and uh, and power plays and stuff like that and um, I have to say that when I, when I got a sense of that, I really didn't like it. Um, okay. I, I, come, I come from a background of, uh, you know, my parents, uh, raised me to treat people fairly and very, if you, if, if you ask people about me, I'm, I'm one of those people that kind of goes out of my way to be, to try and be fair. I kind of have a thing about it. Um, right, cool. so yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of got I kind of got a, this whiff of the entertainment industry that I almost
1: like kind of didn't like. Okay. Um, so I actually left that I left that role. Yeah. Afterwards. Okay. No, makes sense. So, walk me through what exactly is AR wall and how did you come up with the idea?
2: Got it. So. So between um, between working in trailers and AR Wall, um, I co-founded a digital agency and commercial production company. This was called okay. Automaton Creative, and uh, I founded this uh, with Jocelyn, my longtime uh, business partner.
0: Gotcha.
2: Um, and um, sh- with that, we did quite a bit of work in um, in tech. And one of the companies that um, that we created uh, some uh, promotional videos for was a company called Daqri, okay. and for those of you familiar with augmented reality, Daqri was is interesting. It's one of the first augmented reality companies. Maybe I think it was founded, maybe around 2010, somewhere around there. And um, they initially were getting into mobile marker-based, uh, like CG, like stuff for mobile. Okay. And um, and I think that they eventually pivoted into. Uh, like uh, headsets for industry, for enterprise, uh, for factories, and that type of stuff. Uh, this was this was the first experience I'd ever had with augmented reality. And I was actually, my task was figure out how, this is going to seem funny now, this, my first task was figure out how to show augmented reality on a camera.
0: Okay, uh, because
2: interesting. Because that had actually never been done. You know, you people have done screen caps of sure. like what was shown on their phone, but uh, nobody had ever really done like let me demo augmented reality uh, using like a proper film camera. So the way that we, the way that we did this at the time was, of course, we tried to get the nicest phone with the biggest screen, and then we just shot the screen okay. with the camera. So, so immediately I was like, okay, this is subpar. This is a suboptimal uh, type of thing. So even then, um, even way back then, kind of having no thought of. AR wall or augmented reality like visual effects or anything like that. I was already kind of thinking, how would I make this better? How would I get augmented reality working, looking nice on a camera? Um, so then uh, fast forward, maybe uh, six years. Okay. Um, by this point I've directed, I personally directed over 350 commercials, short films, and pilots wow. through this company. Uh, we just had, we, we just had tremendous success and through the recession as well uh which
1: Very
2: cool. I I think as a I take as a badge of honor sure um, fair enough some of, yeah. yeah some of our major clients are like Verizon and um and like uh we did some stuff for Fox and and stuff like that um so starting to get into um client services for entertainment companies so continuing kind of um after trailers kind of continuing that type of stuff um so okay, so one day one day um, my friend uh, Michael Klesha, who's okay. one of the co-founders of the company, he comes to me and he says, Hey, I have this, um, do you, have you ever heard of augmented reality? So of course, you know, I'm like, hey, I have this, you know, I had this experience with DACR and so He goes, Okay. I think that I have I have a, a solution to get rid of green screen using augmented reality.
1: Okay. And
2: so just give you an idea about my friend, um, my friend Mikey, um, he's a visual effects uh, compositor. Okay. So he's one of those people that's day in, day out painting out, you know, green out of people's hair for, for, you know, your favorite TV shows and, and films and that type of stuff. Very Um, tedious work. work. It's very tedious work. You know, like, Here's the thing you got to know about these guys. These these are I'm not even joking here. These are Leonardo da Vinci level artists
0: yeah, that sorry. we
2: that we have that we've trained as a society, and then we have them sit in front of a computer and paint out green,
1: um,
2: so that we can have our beautiful our, our amazing blockbuster films. So um, he's one of these guys that 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 it adds tremendous value to films, but essentially works. Behind the scenes, completely unacknowledged and unrecognized. Um, So, like, and I was one of these guys too. You know, we we, I would do I would do visual effects compositing for some of or any of the green screen projects that I would end up shooting. I would uh, because of my background in visual effects. You know, uh, I would save a buck and just do it myself, right? Sure. Um, so, um, So, anyway, so we're a couple of guys that kind of come from visual effects and do this stuff ourselves. And we have this idea and we also have this background kind of in CG and in AR. Um, so basically what happens is I, got, I kind of pull together kind of the the dream team of people that I've worked with over the past 10 years and pull them together into a group of founders. And we create this company, AR Wall. Um, and for about a year from from January 2017 to January 2018, we fail we fail a lot okay um we (laughs) we basically yeah i mean yeah of course in retrospect you're like great that's (laughs) the exact thing that you should be doing i think but when it's happening uh it's very very frustrating it's probably the most stressful time of my life sure um trying to figure out how how to make this work and how to make and, and basically this is this is the problem that we came down to we thought okay we're just gonna we're just gonna go to somebody that's already working in real time graphics, like for example, like a pre visualization company. We're just gonna go to them, and we're gonna say, hey, we want to license your tool and we want to do this new thing, and can we do that? And what we what we so we tried to do this, and what we realized was these systems aren't fast enough. There's like something like four to eleven frames of latency. Um, if you want, if you're doing pre-visualization, which okay. is why these technologies have been stuck in this world of previsualization. So, for those people that don't know, previs basically means um, on set. It's used to like see like, okay, where's the monster gonna be in the shot? So that just like, so the director and the and the, and the director of photography can like line up the shot correctly. Okay. Um, but you, but it's something. But you never the audience. You never see previs. Never. It's right. always replaced afterwards, and in a process that we call uh, post-production or visual right. effects. And um, so, so with four frames of latency, even with the fastest systems that we're using, that's unusable because basically, what it means is you can't move the camera, which is like, that's not going to work. You have to be able to move the camera. Okay, um, interesting. So, so like, if you're familiar with like the Weather Channel and this type of stuff, yeah, you might have you might see some like some what we what actually is in actuality pre-visualization technology,
0: okay. but
2: one thing that you should notice is that this the camera doesn't move quickly right. like it's it's on a very slow moving like crane arm or something like that. Sure. And the reason that it's slow moving is because if it were to move quickly, you'd be able to see the cG slip, the tracking uh, of the cG okay lift off of the physical environment and this is what we were facing we were like okay this is great we're going to use this and and then immediately the camera whips around and you see it uh, slip away from the ground and you're like whoa what's going on
0: okay um
2: so um so we then we realized we have to build this ourselves so we go and we and, and and we actually take consumer um hardware that was invented for vr stuff and um and software and we and uh, in, in, in for lack of a better term, we hack it. Okay. We, we get cool. a couple of hackers in the company. Um, our amazing CTO, Leon Hui, whose background is in game development. Um, he makes it happen. Okay. And uh, it takes them about six months. Afterwards, we do this. Um, and, and by the way, by... Um, when I say that I ran a digital agency for eight years, what I'm talking about is at this point where we haven't even built it yet and we're just we're still trying to figure it out, we already have something like five hundred companies that are interested in using this technology Wow, <laughs> okay pressure's on um, and and the, and the, that's simply because uh myself and my chief marketing officer eric navaretti we're we're we just talk nonstop about this we're just and we get everyone excited about this. So we do this. So okay. So we do this amazing showcase at at uh, at Universal, um, at NBC Universal okay. on the lot.
1: So how did you get that? Uh, you had relationships with them so, previous. So so so
2: yes, actually, um, two of two of our co-founders actually were working at NBC at the time. Ah. The, uh, they were working on the second screen experiences for the live shows. Okay. So we're talking about like the voice, AGT, okay. um, SNL. They were doing they were they were working there working on these shows. Gotcha. Um doing doing stuff for mobile essentially. Um so so we get this on we you know they you know they use their they, they work their Hollywood magic and they get this meeting. Um so I get so I get in there, I pitch I pitch this thing on the Universal lot, and and just just so people can picture it, behind me I've got like a 12 foot by 8 foot LED video wall that we you know that we rented, um, uh, provided by our amazing vendor Matrix Visual, by the way, that has okay. has been so supportive of us. Um, so we got I've got this 12 by 8 foot LED video wall. We're we're pitching this to every freaking person in Universal that'll listen to us.
0: Wow. Um,
2: and we book one. We wow. book one. Okay. Off of this, off of this demo. Uh, so this one project that we book is Night Flyers. Okay. So this came out. Uh, this actually just came out last. Uh, oh, I don't know when people are going to be listening to it, but for when we're recording, it, it came out last month in okay. December of uh, sure. 2018. Yeah, it'll, it'll
1: air this month. But yes, keep going.
2: Yeah. Um, and so what we what we do there for them is we uh, we put we put up a thirty five foot by 15 foot LED video wall, just a massive. Massive billboard size thing and um and we do this for their space scenes, so anytime that you're in the spaceship looking out uh of a window, that's our product essentially um, uh, and that was our first project and um uh the, the fact that we were able to get that essentially i think probably within 60 days of actually completing the product yeah um is un that's that's unheard of um for example i've spoken to people that have created similar tools in filmmaking uh where they said that it took them a full year to close anything after completing the product so um I think part of what we did correctly was we started hyping it before we were done.
0: Interesting. Um,
2: we kind of we. Uh, I, I come back to it again, like kind of. I wouldn't necessarily say faith, but um, maybe uh, belief that if you do something good, if you're doing good work, and you really believe in it, that uh, that good things are going to happen, and just having that kind of like, again, dumb kind of like luck of um, being kind of knowing that someone is going to get value out of this and kind of just trusting that, um, I think meant that by the time that we were ready to kind of sell, we already had this kind of backlog of people that were interested in the, in the technology, which was awesome. Um, it also, um, and I just want to be clear it also can get you into trouble. I've been in many scenarios where, um, we kind of told people that, uh, stuff was going to happen and it didn't happen and then they're kind of going, what's going on? So it does cut both ways. Um, uh, but I think kind of the part of my job as a CEO is to manage expectations for, for people as we, as we move forward. And, um, if you can be good at telling, at like being clear with people, like, look, there's a high likelihood, but also we're startup, so anything can happen, I think that you'll be okay uh, taking this type of strategy.
1: Interesting. No, I, I think that's really good advice. So I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into exactly what AR wall is and does, because I, I think people might have an understanding at this point, and I know it's hard to sum it up, and people really just need to go to the website and watch the videos that you have on it. But... How do you describe it without a visual aid?
2: <laughs> sure. okay, so um so I've gotten pretty good at this, as you can right. imagine. Sure. All right. So if you can imagine, let's say that you're looking at a TV, and right next to it is a window that is exactly the same size. So you've got a TV. Um, on the wall and then right next to it you've got a window on the wall Okay. and so you're watching something on the, let's say you're watching a nature show you know you've got some beautiful landscape on the TV and then outside the window you've got a beautiful actual landscape meaning that it's a real it's a real environment through that window now let's say you step forward towards the window and the TV
0: Okay.
2: what you'll experience is on the window you will experience a parallax meaning that There'll be a sense of depth and and uh, and 3D uh, space space on the other side of that window, but on the TV, it's a static 2D image that's on the TV. Meaning, there's no sense of parallax. It just looks like you know an image on a surface. And what we're what 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 our fundamental fundamentally what we're what our technology is saying is on the TV, you will have the illusion that you're looking through that window Very cool. meaning that as you travel toward the screen away from the screen left right up down in six degrees you will have the illusion looking at that tv as if you were looking through a window into any 3d environment that's the fundamental technology so the 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 what we what we're essentially doing for motion picture effects is creating gigantic windows that we then place behind the actors and the sets so that instead of having to build the physical set or going to an actual location, they can simply have the illusion from the perspective of the camera as if it was a window into any environment. So for Night Flyers, we did space scenes. So basically there were planets. There was a star field. There was spaceships and stuff. And then we've also done natural scenes, just like I mentioned, where it was, you know, we're in a forest or something like that. Right. So that's that's, that's essentially, I hope, without visual aid or anything, that I hope people can imagine that you can look at a screen, a TV or an LED video wall, and have the illusion... Uh, either as a camera or as an individual as if it's a window into that world.
1: Sure, and it moves and you get the, pers- the the perspective changes as you move around, right? Just like you do it whether you're wearing like a VR headset or something or in real life.
2: Correct. So like it, it, one way to think about it is this, like when you're wearing a VR headset, um, your eyes are always looking at 90 degrees to the little screens in the right. headset. So you're always locked at 90 degrees. Right. And what we're saying is, okay, you can take the screens that are in that headset yep. and enlarge them all the way so that it's in a gigantic wall, you know, 20-foot wall. Sure. And then instead of being stuck just looking at 90 degrees at the screen, instead you can look at it at any angle. And we will what, what, what our technology does is as you move in real time, yep. meaning that faster than your eye can perceive, or faster than the camera per- can perceive, uh, it, the, the distortion that you would normally perceive on that screen will go away, and you'll perceive no surface as if it's a window into the virtual environment. So, yes.
1: Very cool. No, that's that's amazing. The other thing, too, that I want to cover is, instead of using... It's basically a green screen replacement, and but people can use 3D or other sources of... Content to actually be playing in the background on these screens while you have physical objects and people in front of it, and then you film that. is Is that a simplified version of what they can do with your technology?
2: That's exactly correct. So, from the perspective of a filmmaker, what they're looking at our technology as is a is a is an alternative to green screen visual effects. So, what I mean by that is when you you know most people imagine like something like lord of the rings right Sure. you've got gandalf in front of a gigantic green screen he's talking to a tennis ball on a pole he's there's complete confusion (laughs) as to what's going on um so it's i think it's for those instances where where you want to create a sense of of reality um uh on set and you want to be able to put your actor in your sets um or, or your physical objects in a place that they could never be. So the way to do that in the past has been green screen, right? And right. what we're saying is here's an alternative. And the alternative is actually interesting because when you move the camera with green screen, yeah. it becomes it instantly becomes a more expensive shot than if you were to not move the camera. Okay. Meaning that when you move the camera, all of a sudden the background of the of the green uh, the, the the background that you're replacing the green screen with has to be fully 3D. It has to be completely 3D environment. Meaning, it's got to be you sure. know modeled by somebody in Maya essentially, sure. as opposed to a 2D what we call 2D plates, which is just like you know something that you can build in Photoshop. It's pretty sure. easy. Right. Um, so, so the result of that is that there's actually an in, a disincentive. To move the camera in green screen productions, and I mean that in a very serious sense. That 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 sometimes a producer or a line producer will go down your shot list and and literally say, "This tracking shot is no longer moving." I mean, okay. we'll dictate to you, "This tracking, this moving shot is no longer moving. This is a still shot," because what they're doing is they're going through the budget and actually they're marking up the moving shots higher because they know they're gonna be more expensive. Right. So as a filmmaker, what you, when you're shooting on these green screen shoots, like for example, if, you're, if you've got $100 million or more for your budget, you're doing okay, but for everybody else, you, you've, you've seriously got to choose which of these shots are gonna be moving if you're shooting green screen. And, and that's a real thing. I'm not, I'm not making this up, is a real consideration. Um, so what we're talking about is trying to get rid of that paradigm and and go back to a paradigm more like rear projection. Now, the problem with rear projection, ironically, was the same. You couldn't move the camera. So right. so with, with rear projection, you're getting benefits of, like, physical photons and everything like that. It's, it's basically the process that was used before green screen. So, like, by Hitchcock, if you're doing those... The famous driving shots in Psycho, those, for example, those right. are uh, rear projection. Okay. And um, yeah, so what we're doing is coming back to that type of process, where it's physical photons, and more importantly, you can capture the illusion on set. And okay. this, is, this changes uh, from a budgetary standpoint, it costs less, it also takes less time because there is no visual effects for these shots. It also conceivably gets um, better performance out of the actors and out of everyone else because they can see what's happening.
1: Sure. Interesting. Yeah, and you can also use other common, a lot cheaper 3D um, software to render the imagery that's displayed on these screens, correct?
2: Correct. So I mean, there's we can display anything. So we can okay. even display 2D, you know, we can put, display 2D video. And if, for example if there's a very limited amount of movement required. But okay. mostly what we've been up to is trying to create photorealistic environments. Okay. And um, so these are photorealistic real-time graphics. Okay. So, like, what that means, essentially, is this is similar to the types of uh, real-time engines that are used for um, video games. Sure. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's actually quite fascinating. So uh, uh, you you touched on... The motion picture stuff, but I want to talk about some interactive experiments and some kind of location-based stuff that I could maybe have at home.
2: <laughs> yeah, um so certainly, I'll certainly say that anybody that tells you that um, that they got something ready for AR in the home is trying to yank your chain. we're We're probably as an industry, we're probably at least two years out from okay. something like that. Okay. Um, so so, that, so this, is, this has been a, a constant um, point of contention for those of us in the industry. And um, I'll explain I'll what I mean. Okay. So, so I think most people are probably familiar with VR. You've got these headsets. Yeah. It creates an entire world inside this headset, right? Sure. And what a lot of people might not know is the VR industry has been having some serious issues. Um, very, very serious. So, the I think that the the numbers in general for the forecast of how many VR headsets were going to be sold has probably not has probably been like maybe fifty percent of um, of the expectations, uh, meaning the actual amount of headsets that have been sold. So there's been so a lot of the financial projections that have been made for your companies in general. Have just fallen apart. I mean, the, the just economics just are never going to work. Um, so unfortunately, there's been a, quite a few VR companies that have actually closed up in the sure. past six months. it's 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 been it's been tough. Um and a lot of those have been here in l a. so um, we we've are we hearing all sorts of um, crazy stuff. so the so the saving grace, the one thing that the that the VR and air industry have kind of have going for them, is what we're calling location-based entertainment.
0: Okay. Um, this
2: used to also be called um, experientials. I think LBE um, as a short term has kind of taken over. Yeah. Um, so what this means is like you go like, basically like you're kind of like your date and busters, your laser tag type of experiences. You go somewhere, you, they have this amazing technology, you use it, uh, you pay it like a you know, per use fee, and then you go home essentially with nothing. Only the, the, the warm glow of the experience. And um, the, the, one of the reasons for this has been, obviously, people don't want to buy these. So I think just kind of renting these is a better opportunity for a lot of uh, people who are kind of interested in using this technology. So what we've kind of gone into is what, what is what does augmented reality kind of look like in this space? Since VR has been having so much trouble elsewhere, we're kind of thinking AR might have similar types of issues. So okay. how, do we, how do we kind of... Into step this, into this world. And last month, um, at the Paramount on the Lot event, we actually debuted something completely new, a new, okay. a new technology that uh, we're calling AR3D. And okay. this is an interactive version of our core technology that uses depth sensors. Um, not unlike the Kinect, okay. uh, uses depth sensors to track the head of an individual. So instead of tracking the position of a camera, we're tracking the position of an individual, uh, individual's eyes. And as you move around, you you get this window illusion on a TV or on a large screen as an individual. So to be clear, this is no headset, no wearables, no goggles, no markers, nothing. This is just uh, your body.
1: Interesting. And And so what types of experiences are you looking to provide people either today or in the near future?
2: So I think um, um, I can tell you what we've been getting the most demand is definitely in retail. Um, uh, Lifestyle brands, fashion brands, electronics and auto brands. uh, They're very interested in getting people uh, richer, deeper, more interactive experiences with their product, with their purchasing um, experience. And I think also brick and mortar in general is looking for how to bring um, Millennials in through the door um, and and keep them there and keep them coming back. So I think AR as location-based entertainment is uh, is um, something that we're gonna be focusing on. So the types of experiences that we built though um, have been more gamer oriented. So okay. we've built an experience, we're kind of calling like Dragon Lords. It's a dragon flying game. We kind of fly around um, like a fantasy world. You kind of, you know, you can flap the wings with your arms and steer and, and fly fast and glide and that kind of stuff. So it's, so that's the kind of like stuff that we're focusing on um, at the moment, but that's really only because uh, we need to really prove out the more difficult stuff. So for like, for example, like, Interfacing with a 3D menu or something like that we've got that kind of nailed.'re okay. um, right now we're trying to get into three uh, puppeteering 3D characters on screen so that you can actually control you know your favorite character, let's say from your you know film or TV. Uh, hello I'm on the screen. that starts to get very interesting when we start thinking about. Uh, movie posters interactive movie posters that might be at malls or movie theaters or that type of stuff.
1: Sure, no, that's actually really quite fascinating because if I had one of these at my home, you could potentially unleash a ton of stuff to me that's streaming to me. Like I could virtually be in a store or at a concert or anywhere, right? And interact Absolutely. with some of these items that I think put a clothing, you could virtually put them on and, and yeah, interesting.
2: I think one way uh, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a um, sci-fi nerd. So okay. one way that I, that I sometimes think about it is if, if this were in the home, yeah. well, you'd essentially, what we would have probably try and make it is a floor to ceiling um, screen. Sure. Like, let's say it's like a, you know, 10 by 10 foot screen that is placed in one wall of your house, maybe the living room or something like that.
0: Sure.
2: And what this would essentially serve as is like one wall of the holodeck, like the holodeck from Star Trek, um, the next generation, or or, or DS9 or Voyager. Um, What we're talking about here is it'd be a portal for you to be able to have the sense of continuous convincing space from your environment to another environment. And so whether that's a party or a restaurant or a store, whatever it happens to be, that's really what we're talking about. And us as as, as as creators of the the technology, our job is to create a platform where you can do anything right. But I think once people kind of get into this, what I'm hoping will happen is – just as just as kind of we broke through this barrier of like communication speaking to people over video chat and phone and stuff like that, we're gonna have this breakthrough of like being in the same space as yeah. other people yeah really kind of sharing the same spaces and this is you know rich people, poor people uh, uh, and everything in between so it, it's gonna be very interesting
1: yeah no that's that's actually really quite fascinating it, I, I'm curious to see. Really where you guys take this in the next 18 months to two years, right? Because a, a ton of stuff can happen. And I'm really curious to see what you guys do with this. But we're coming to the end of the show. So maybe let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and actually check out some of the videos so they can actually see the technology at play.
2: Absolutely. So um, if you're interested in checking out our videos and seeing what we've been up to, everything is going to be on ARWall.co. Just to be clear, that's .co. And um, if you are in the industry and you're actually interested in uh, in getting a hands-on demo and you're located in L.A. or you happen to be visiting L.A., uh, we actually do have a a um, a lab, uh, a demo lab that is in Burbank uh, that we just opened, so you're very welcome to come by and check it out.
1: Perfect, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day, man.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much. It was a real pleasure. A lot of fun. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay, bye.
2: Bye.
0: Thanks for listening